When you hear the word leadership, what image comes to your mind? Maybe someone with authority? Maybe someone who inspires you? Maybe when you think of leadership, you think of someone that helps you to accomplish your goals. This morning, we're going to be reflecting on what leadership should look like in a church, specifically this faith family, this gathering of believers in the name of Jesus. What should leadership look like at ECC Off-Island? As we continue in our series today, series called Renewal, Becoming the Church that God Intends. And so that is our heart's desire, that we be renewed by His Spirit and that we would truly be the people, the church that God intends us to be. Last week as we began this series, we, we considered why we're here. Why exactly do we gather as a church in the name of Jesus? And we learned that the church is designed to be a display of God's glory. We learned that the church is not a building. It's not a place. You don't go to church. All of this language that's quite popular in our culture is not biblical. It's not accurate. You don't go to church. The church is the gathering, the assembly of God's people that submit to the kingship of Jesus, that are indwelt by His Spirit, who have love for His gospel, and we're brothers, and we're sisters, and we're a family. We are the church of God. We are the people who are gathered in His name for a very specific purpose. And as we saw last week, it's to display the glory of God by making and developing disciples. And so as we ourselves are growing and being more sanctified, and we're on mission, and we see other people who repent and trust in Jesus for their salvation. We're making new disciples. So making new ones and developing existing ones, loving each other, being conformed to His image, people see a glimpse of the glory of God. And so our heart's desire is, as people see our church, may they see God. So the church is the people of God who are indwelt by the Spirit of God, who proclaim the gospel of God for the glory of God. That is what the church is. May people see a glimpse of this God as they see our family. That happens when every one of us individually is truly overwhelmed by the grace of God. When we are so gripped and overwhelmed by how good God has been to us and sending Jesus to die for us and giving us His Spirit, eternal purpose, and an inheritance waiting for us in the new heavens and the new earth. When we're overwhelmed by God's grace, what happens to us is we become more energized to accomplish the mission Jesus gave us to accomplish. And we don't just go to church because we're supposed to. But we're excited about being part of the church and what God is doing in and through her. And so may we experience renewal by God's Spirit so that we can become the church that God intends us to be. And so will you pray with me just for a moment and let's beg God's Spirit to be active with us this morning. Our most holy Father, we're in awe of how you would love us save us and gather us to be your church, to be your people, to display your glory to Abu Dhabi and to the nations. We pray this morning that your spirit would be so active. If anyone here 
does not know you. May your spirit regenerate them. May they be resurrected today and place a complete trust in you, Jesus. And those of us that are believers, that have your spirit, I pray that he be active and that we would be further sanctified, that we would become more faithful followers of our master, Jesus. I pray that you would be so active and so real to us this morning as you reveal yourself through your word, help us to respond to you with lives of worship. We value you more than anything else. And we pray for your glory's sake in the name of our Savior Jesus. Amen. Let's read the text for this morning out of the book of Acts. Everybody, was please turn there. It is on the screens. But as we continue in this series today, we're talking about church leadership. We'll be in Acts chapter 20, verses 17 through 35. Now from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. And when they came to him, he said to them, you yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plot of the Jews. How I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now behold, I am going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. But I do not account my life of any value, nor is precious to me, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify of the gospel of grace of God. And now behold, I know that none of among you whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all of you, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among you, your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities and to those who were with me. In all things I have shown that to you by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Amen. Let's define the primary truth revealed in this text. The main idea of this story is that biblical church leadership is necessary to display God's glory. And so biblical leadership in the church is necessary, not optional, necessary in order for the church to display God's glory. 
And so a church can only be as healthy as her leadership. Unhealthy leadership will eventually lead to an unhealthy church. An unbiblical leadership will lead to eventually a church that also becomes unbiblical. And so today and next week in this current series, we'll be looking at what God's Word reveals about how a church should be led. What is biblical, healthy, proper leadership in the church? And so in the Bible, it describes two primary types of leaders, sometimes called two, the two offices in a church, and it's elder and deacon. That's the two types of leaders the Bible reveals in a church. And so today, we'll look at the first one. We'll look at elders, looking at shepherd leaders in the church. Next week, we'll look at deacons, which are the lead servants in a church. We'll see how they're different, what their roles are, and how both of them together will help the whole body to be healthy, which we'll look at in two weeks when we conclude this series on being renewed and having a healthy church. And so let's consider today on what it means to have healthy leadership, specifically church elders. We're going to ask two key questions from this text that will help us understand this main idea. So, first key question, what are elders? Now, I know in a church like ours, very diverse, different church background, and so I don't pretend to know exactly what you think when you hear the word elder. But many denominations have elders, and so we're not going to talk about what different churches or denominations define elders as. We're going to go straight to God's Word and say, well, what does God's Word say an elder is, and what is the role of an elder? So what are elders? Well, verse 31 says that the Apostle Paul spent three years serving the church in Ephesus. Now, about a year earlier, he had actually left Ephesus, which is a modern-day Turkey, so in Asia, he left Ephesus and he went over to Europe. He went to Macedonia and to Greece and he spent about a year ministering to the churches in places like Thessalonica, Corinth, Philippi. He was ministering in, 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 in Greece. And what he did is he collected an offering from these Greek churches and he was going to take that offering to their brothers and sisters in Jerusalem that were suffering that were being persecuted, and they were very poor, they were impoverished. And so these Greek believers gave us a significant sum, and Paul was carrying that back to Jerusalem. Now, on the way there, he stopped in Miletus, which was a coastal town about 50 kilometers south of Ephesus. And it says in verse 17 that he called for the elders of the church. Now, it also says that because he didn't have enough time, he, he didn't go to Ephesus. He knew if Paul showed up, he'd be there for weeks, saying hi to everyone, having coffee, and it just wouldn't work. And he was in a hurry to get to Jerusalem by Pentecost. And so he doesn't go to Ephesus, he goes to Miletus. But he summons the elders to meet him right there before he boards a ship to go to Jerusalem. And this conversation that we just read between Paul and these elders in Ephesus are very important. It describes to us what elders are. And so let me answer the question, and then we'll look at it more carefully. So again, key question number one, well, what are elders? Let me answer that for you. It's also here on the screens. An elder is a biblically qualified man called by God to lead and oversee a church. 
And so elders are biblically qualified men called by God to lead and oversee a church. Now there's a lot in there, and we'll look at it carefully here together this morning. But let's just start off saying this. Any conversation that we're going to have about biblically qualified people to do anything, much less lead a church, has to be understood through the prism of the gospel. Because the truth is that no one is qualified. Not me, not the other elders in this church. No one is completely qualified in the sense that no one is sinless. We're all sinners. Every one of us are desperate for the grace of Jesus. We're all desperate for him. None of us are worthy. Only Jesus alone is worthy. Anything good that any of us can do is because of the grace of God in our lives, and it's all about God's grace. And sending Jesus to die for us, giving us his spirit who sanctifies us and then allows men to rise up and lead in a church. And so let's keep that in mind, that we're all sinners saved by grace, desperate for him to talk about qualified. It really is God who is good to us. There are three words in this story that the Apostle Paul describes these spiritual leaders as, and these three words are very important. It's describing the leaders in the church. In the first word, he calls them elders. Again, they're in verse 17. He's calling for, he says, the elders of the church. Now, in the original language, it's presbyteros, which is where we get the word presbyterian. And so the Presbyterian denomination has elders. Now, the word elder, don't think of it the way our Presbyterian friends describe it, because that's a denomination in a particular way of how they run their churches. I'm not saying it's wrong or evil, but we want to say, well, what does God's word say? And the word elder does not mean someone that is a worker in a denomination. It's not what it means. And so the word elder, really all it means is older one. It means old guy. That's what it means, the older gentleman. But so it, it implies wisdom and experience and having moral authority and leadership. And so this is, this is why our church has elders, and it's not just me. I'm too young. I'm too young to leave this church by myself. You kidding me? I need men that have more grace. Now, mine's coming in already. We need guys that have more grace than I do. They have more life experience, more wisdom. They're more elderly. Yeah, you like that? <laughs> I love my, my, my brothers that are fellow elders. The word means someone that is older, but it's also a title here. Paul is using this word, not just the old guys. He's using this word elder that, that again, has connotations of wisdom and experience, and it's a title that describes the church leaders. Let's read verse 28, because there's a lot in there that describes this. Verse 28, he's talking to the elders, and he says, Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. Now, in this verse, he says to care for the flock. The word there that you have care in the original language is the word for shepherd, or the word for pastor. Pastor. 
And so when he says, care for the flock, he's saying, shepherd the flock, pastor the flock. And so the word pastor is the same word as shepherd. It means the same thing. Sometimes in the context, the word pastor or shepherd means a guy who takes care of the little actual animals that go bah, like we have in the zoo. All right? And so sometimes when you see shepherds, like when Christ was born, that's the same word here. But there it's used to describe guys that actually have literal sheep. But other times it's used for people that are shepherding, pastoring the flock of God, people. And that's how it's used here. So he calls God's people the flock. And he tells these elders to shepherd them, to be their pastor. So the image here is of godly men that are caring for and shepherding, loving God's people. So the word elder and the word shepherd or pastor are used. But then there's the third one in the same verse. He says, shepherd the flock which the Holy Spirit has made you, what's the word there? Overseers. And so that's the third word that is using as a title for these spiritual leaders in the church. Now, in the original, the word overseer is episkopos. You may have heard the Episcopalian denomination. That's where they get the word from. And that word simply means someone who is watching over or looking over something or someone. Now, the English word bishop has evolved from that word here for overseer. But, that, but again, and today we think of bishop and we think of a denomination and a high-level leadership and a structure. That's not what this is describing. So let's not confuse modern-day denominations that use some of these words. Let's look at what the Bible says. And he just calls them overseers, which means leadership and stewardship and authority. It means that you are a steward over something or someone. And so all of you are overseers. Even children, like just last night I was talking about this with my children. I was like, you're an overseer over your toys and over your clothes. And so you have to manage your room. You oversee your room. When you become an adult, you oversee a house. And you oversee your children. And then maybe a lot of you at work, you oversee others at work. You have a management, leadership, authoritative role where you're overseeing a business or people. And so overseer just refers to someone that has stewardship, authority, and leadership. So what you're seeing here, elders are overseers who are pastors. Same word. So elders, leaders in the church, have authority to oversee the church, the people, church is the people, and they're shepherds, they're pastors. And so they're used interchangeably. And 1 Peter 5, verses 1 through 4, same thing. Same three words Peter uses to describe leaders in the church. And it says that God's Spirit is the one that appoints these leaders, appoints these elders, which is why our church is an elder-led church. This is the way our church functions. We have elders that meet regularly to study God's Word. And we pray for our ministry team leaders, and we go name by name, and we pray for our members. And we talk about how is so-and-so doing in our church, and I haven't seen so-and-so in a while. Let's call and see how he or she is doing. And we beg God for direction, and we do make decisions for our church as well. And I want to take just a second and ask elders to please stand up. I want to ask first up here Gilbert Lavely who's been an elder since the very beginning. 
Um, and so he's been kind of shy, but that's Gilbert. He's been here from day one with this church. Serves very faithfully. And so that's Gilbert Lavely. Over here is Ray, another one of our elders, Ray Diliaco. He has served also like Gilbert from day one. He's a two men that from the very beginning were here when this church was planted in the Emmers Park Zoo. And to this day continue to serve faithfully as shepherds, as elders. So Ray and Gilbert, and lastly over here is Cole, who as of you saw last week is now one of our new elders. Cole's been here for about two years. Um, so we're very excited to have a new brother to join us. And already came to his first meeting last week. He added great wisdom and so glad to have these three brothers that we meet together. And we just honestly beg God to help us to shepherd this faith family well. And serving you as an elder is a tremendous act of stewardship and great responsibility. And honestly, it's very humbling. Every time that we meet, we thank God for the, the privilege of having a seat in the elder body. And we ask God to help us. Now, maybe you're thinking, okay, so if you have elders, and, and so the elders are the ones that are leading spiritual leaders and make the decisions so does that mean that we don't have any say in it? We have to say, do whatever the elders say, and now we have, we have no way of contributing to how the church is being led or, or what direction she goes in? No, because our church also has a provision where we're elder-led, but we also allow the church to help decide in where we're going as far as our direction. And so here's how that works. Every one of our elders is also a pastor, a shepherd, same thing. But the church has called me, with great humility, I say this, to be the senior pastor to help lead this church. But they're elders just as much, but the church had to vote to call me as a senior pastor and to call them as elders. And any future elders, the church members are the ones that recognize that calling from God and affirm that by casting a vote. And so one of the main ways that you're going to have say in the church's direction is going to be who is called as an elder, and the church must vote and affirm that. But it's not just calling senior pastors and other elders. The church also decides on the annual budget. And so if you came to our general meeting a couple of weeks ago, we went line by line, talked about it, answered questions, and the church could have said, no, go back to the drawing board, give us a better budget. But the church in this case said, yes. We want to affirm a 1.2 million Durham budget, even though we have never collected more than a million Durhams. And yet, our members said, we have faith that we're going to give sacrificially and that we're going to collect more than 1.2 million Durhams this year because we want to plant more churches and support persecuted churches and help those that are poor and that are in need in our own faith family. And, and we want to partner with those with the gospel in other nations, our missions partners, and so we want money to go out. And so our church said, let's, let's approve this budget. It takes faith. So the church has to approve that. But the church also has to approve any kind of amendment to the Constitution, which is our governing document. So in some very practical ways, the church is helped to be led by the members, but the day-in, day-out leadership of our church happens through the elder body. Now, let me ask you a question, a question that I already know. I know some of you are wondering. Here's the question. Does ECC Off Island call women to serve as elders? 
Now, don't raise your hand if you already thought that question, because I'm sure there's going to be several of you, but there are a few that are going up, and that's a fair question. And so we want full disclosure. We want to address every issue from the authority of God's word. And so does our church call women to serve as elders? Well, I'll just say this up front. The Bible very clearly describes women who follow Jesus. There were the first ones there after he resurrected, and the women saw him. The privilege was given to women to see Jesus first. And not only that, but many women in the New Testament are seen as serving in the churches. They're proclaiming the gospel. That's very clear in the New Testament. And it's also clear that there are many women that were used very powerfully by God. Read Acts. There's lots of women in there that are at work, that are being used by God to accomplish His purposes, both Old and New Testament. So there's no doubting that God calls and equips our ladies to be very active in accomplishing the mission of the church. And if we want to apply it to just our church here just for a minute, our church, I'm telling you, could not function. Just couldn't. Our church could not function without ladies that serve so faithfully. We'll talk about that next week with deacons, and we do have women that serve in that role. So we have many women that lead ministry teams. We have women that help or even lead home groups. And we have women that lead discipleship groups. And so women are very involved in ministry in our church. So that isn't the question. That, that's easy to see. Yes, God uses women, of course. But the question is, does God call ladies to serve in the capacity of an overseer, of an elder or a pastor? So that's a different question. 1 Timothy 2.12 tells us that I did not permit a woman to teach or have authority over a man. And so Paul is revealing, as Spirit revealed to him, that in, in a church context, women are not to teach or to have authority over men. Now, some would say, oh, no, 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 that, that was just a cultural context. But if you read the very next sentence, it describes, no, God is rooting that reasoning, not in culture, but in the created order, for he made Adam first to be the head of his wife. Teaching is an authoritative act in the church because God's word is the authority. And so anyone that is proclaiming and saying, thus saith the Lord, is an act of authority because the authority lies in God's word. The church is a family of God. And so when you think about elders, the best illustration I can give you is that of a father in a home. You see, a lot of times we, we want to look at our world and see connections with the church. We say, oh, well, I know how to lead a team. I've been a coach before. Or I know how to lead a business. I've led that. I've been a CEO or manager before, or I've been in the military and I was a, a colonel or a general or a captain or however high rank you got, and you know about leadership in the military, or maybe different ways that you've been in a role of leadership, and we see both men and women in leadership roles, and so we think, oh, the church should be no different. That's how it should work. But see, here's the difference. The church is not a business. It's not a team like a sports team. The church is a family. It's a family, the household of God. And so the best analogy for a leadership in a church would be leadership in the home. There's the pattern that we want to follow. 
And the reason is that marriage is a picture of the gospel. Marriage is a picture of Christ's love for the church. And so the church trusts her groom, trusts the husband, who is pictured in Ephesians 5, for example, as being Jesus. And so as believers in Jesus, we're part of the bride. We are the bride of Christ. Christ is the head, and we follow him. You see, the way this works is people who don't know Jesus are following the world. But when you repent and trust in Jesus, then now you're following him. And so the best biblical model in a household, the way it should work, is that the man leads spiritually in the home. Because that's what Jesus does. Jesus leads us. He leads his bride, the church. And so a husband should be leading his wife at home. While the wife is trusting her husband. She's entrusting herself joyfully and willingly saying, Husband, I want you to lead this family because I trust that you're following Jesus. And so just like the church, the bride submits to the head, Jesus, so should wives joyfully and willingly follow their husband's leadership. Now that assumes that the man is leading. So husbands, if you're in the room and you're not leading, well, shame on you. Your wife can't follow if you don't lead. You should step up and man up and lead and teach your children. Lead your wife. Be a spiritual leader in your home as you're called to be, to reflect Jesus and the church. And so in this beautiful drama, you have the man that gets to represent Jesus and the wife represents the church. But remember, who's the one that died in this drama? Jesus sacrifices for his bride because he loves her and cherishes her. And so we as husbands should sacrifice and lead our wives. And then wives will be relieved to follow a godly man. Show me a godly woman and show me a godly man. She will be happy to follow him. It's when men don't lead when this whole thing gets messed up. So the image that we're seeing, this pattern, is continued in the church, which is also family. So God has called men to be the spiritual leaders of the church. And so women can serve in lots of capacities, but that of elder is reserved for men. Not because we're better, because we're not. Men are not stronger than women, physically, maybe, but emotionally, spiritually, no. We're equally weak and can be equally strong. And so I learn from my wife so much, and she so encourages me. So I need her in my life, and you need your wives, men. And so what we see in the church is women and men have a different yet complementary role. Same thing in the home. Different yet complementary to fulfill our particular God-given roles. So complete equality, different roles. So in our church, no, women do not serve as elders, but they serve in every other capacity in leadership. Now, if you're wondering more about that, we can have coffee. Or one of our elders can sit with you. We'll be happy to talk to you about this more. And so I don't want you to feel like this is the end of the conversation. We can continue the conversation, but not this morning, because we're going to keep going to learn what an elder is. Remember the main idea here is that biblical church leadership is necessary to display God's glory. So we need a healthy biblical church. So key question two, what is the role of elders? So now we know what they are, spiritual leaders, Shepherds, overseers. So, okay, that's what, that's what they are, but what is the 
role of an elder. Let me give you some four thoughts. Number one, from this text. Number one, lead under the authority of God. And so what is the role of elders in a church? To lead under the authority of God. So when you think about the word authority, what word comes to your mind or what thoughts come to your mind? What images are conjured up? Most of us don't like the word authority. Most of us think that's a bad thing. Authority gets abused and authority is a negative thing. That's the way our Western minds tend to think. But authority is not bad. Authority is a good thing. Let me read to you something that Pastor Mark Dever says about authority. He says, a world without authority would be like desires without restraints. A car with no controls. An intersection with no traffic lights. A game with no rules. A home with no parents. A world without God. It could go on for a little while. But before long, it would seem pointless. Then cruel. And finally, unspeakably tragic. He's right. If there's no authority, then there is no God, because God is the ultimate authority. And so when we submit to authorities in our lives, and all of us have them, we all submit to authority in our lives. When we do, we're, we're recognizing that we're submitting ultimately to God's authority. So a church that accepts the authority of God is a church that's going to be healthy. And so God is ultimate authority, and where is that found? Well, in God's word. And so as a church, we must submit ourselves to the authority of God as revealed in his word for us to be healthy. So again, the final authority is God's word. Remember what we read second ago in verse 28, that these shepherds were called to oversee the church. And Spirit of God is the one that says that is appointing these elders to shepherd, to lead. And it says why. The end of verse 28 is very important. Why? Why do we have elders? It says, care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. The church belongs to Jesus. He bought us. He owns us. We belong to him. And then he gives under shepherds to lead in his place. And so an elder has spiritual authority, but he leads only under the authority of God. And so elders are accountable to God. And any authority that a spiritual leader has, an elder, is insofar as we are submitted to God's word. And so an elder who is not submitted to God's authority is an elder that is going to be abusing power. We're a fellow sinner saved by grace. And so there's always the possibility of corruption and abuse with an elder body. And our church is no exception because we're all human. And so there always can be corruption and abuse. And power that is apart from God's purposes is always evil. And so any authority that we have is because we are submitting ourselves to God. And so church, if you see an elder that is not godly, if you see an elder that is not truly following Jesus or teaching things that are twisted, like it says here in this text, that elder should be removed, beginning with the senior pastor, needs to be removed. And so the church has the authority to remove unhealthy, ungodly leaders in the church, and that must be safeguarded. And so elders do lead, but under the authority of God. Number two, teach 
the word of God. And so this is what an elder does. He leads with authority under God, but he also teaches the word of God. We saw that in this text. When verses 20 and 21, Paul reminds him of what he did. He says, he says, I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house. He says, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance towards God and the faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's read verse 27 as well in his charge to the elders. He says, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. And so it says, I was teaching you. I was feeding you because this is what an elder does. He's a shepherd. Shepherds feed the sheep. And so one of the most important roles of an elder is to lead from the word. It's to be in teaching capacities. Now he says here that he taught in both public and house to house. And so there's two. There's much larger venues like on a Friday morning where a so I'm preaching, I'm one of the elders tasked to do that but by the church. But it's not just public, it's also from home to home. This is home groups. This is smaller discipleship groups. And so elders are engaged in teaching ministries, but so that the church is healthy and then we can be multiplying and having more people. And so like, for example, in our discipleship groups, I love what I'm seeing in our church, which is we're beginning to see a culture of discipleship take root, where groups of, of three to four people of the same gender are meeting once a week to study the Word, and with the goal after several months for that group to multiply, and every person to take on two or three new people that they can disciple, and then after that, they'll meet with new people, and this chain of discipleship continues, and we see a church that understands the mission, which is to glorify God by making and developing disciples. And healthy disciples are going to be on fire to share with their lost friends who don't know Jesus, who don't know forgiveness, who are lost. And so our elders are the ones that ought to be spearheading and being disciple makers and developers. And so this is what the church is. She's led by elders who are teaching so the church is healthy, so we can then all be on mission, accomplishing the goal given to us by Jesus. So elders, one, lead under the authority of God. Two, teach the word of God. Three, they care for the people of God. Elders care for the people of God. And so verse 29 says, fierce wolves would come. Wolves attacking the sheep. And so he says that you need to protect them. And so a shepherd cares for the sheep. But here's the thing. A shepherd cannot care for sheep that he does not know. If I don't know you, if none of our elders know you, then how can we shepherd you? How can we care for you? How can we know if you're doing okay? You have to have a relationship. And so a shepherd has to know the sheep. And so if you just kind of show up and then leave immediately and you don't ever commit, and you don't ever meet one of the elders, you don't join the home group, you don't commit as a member, you're, you're just kind of coming and going maybe every now and then, you show up every now and then, how can we shepherd you? I can't be held accountable to someone that does not want to be shepherded. And so we do want to care for you. We want to know you. 
and love you and encourage you as you follow Jesus. And I can tell you, I honestly care about you. I love the privilege of shepherding God's people. So I want to know you and our elders feel the same way. But you have to allow us to. We can't, we can't encourage you if, if you don't want to be encouraged. You, you have to engage. And so this is a two-way relationship where we want to be intentional to shepherd and to care for you. But all we can say is, come and let's be on, on guard for each other. And let's all partake in this caring. Yes, led by the elders, but picked up by everyone caring for each other and shepherding one another. We want to help you as you follow Jesus. But let me just tell you this. We need your grace. We're sinners, and we're going to get it wrong sometimes. And so we're not superhuman. We're not perfect. We're sinners just like you with this particular role. We just want to help you grow in your sanctification. And so that requires a willing and a gracious submitting to the leadership of the church. And so elders, number three, care for the people of God. Number four, they model the character of God. Verses 18 through 20. When they came to him, he said to them, You yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility, with tears, with trials that happened to me through the plot of the Jews. So he says that he was serving them with humility. And verse 35, it says that he was showing, he was modeling how to work hard. And same thing in 1 Peter 5, verse 3, he says that elders are to be examples to the flock. What you're seeing here is elders are to be modeling what it looks like to follow Jesus. Which is why about 10 years later, when the same author here was speaking, Paul, he wrote a letter to Pastor Titus and Pastor Timothy. And he gave them qualifications for elders. And he said things like, must be above reproach, husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, not, not a lover of money. And he goes on with these characteristics of what an elder is. It's all about character. It's not about skill. There's only one skill that's able to teach. That's the only skill required. The rest is all about character. And so an elder is someone that is intentionally growing a sanctification and is mature. Not sinless, that doesn't exist, but living with integrity and with purity. And is trusting in Christ alone for his salvation, which leads to progression and sanctification and being more like Jesus. Verse 180 says, pay attention to yourselves. So an elder has to be someone that's paying attention to what his thoughts are and how he's speaking and how he's living and he's intentionally growing. And so what does this look like? It starts at home, shepherding your family. That's the first place. But beyond that, an elder should have the gospel at the forefront of his mind, cognizance of how he has been saved by grace. I love verse 24. It describes what we should be about. He says, I do not account my life of any value. Listen to that. My life has no value. It's not precious to myself. He says, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify of the gospel of grace of God. That is why we exist. 
to testify of the grace of God, and our lives have no value other than accomplishing this mission, glorifying God. And so an elder is about this. This is what he is about. In his personal life, an elder is self-disciplined and is controlled and is, is sacrificial in his giving. Verse 35, he says, better to give than to receive. An elder is generous. He's going to be tithing and he's going to be giving. An elder is someone that is personal life. He's gracious and humble and kind. But in his family life, he leads his family well. He cherishes his wife and he leads others well. Same thing in his professional, his work or his social life. Good work ethic, man of integrity, and leads others well. His spiritual life, he's a man of prayer. He's a person that you could model what it looks like to follow Jesus. Again, a father figure. Elders are father figures in the faith family, growing in sanctification. So this is what it, it looks like. And here's my hope as we wrap things up. Every man in this room, may you aspire to be an elder. Every single man in this room. May you truly desire it. Not because you think being an elder is going to be really cool, because it's not. It's work. And sometimes it's not comfortable. And sometimes you have to have conversations that you really don't want to have. And so being an elder is not glamorous at all. Long meetings. And it's a lot of work. It's a labor of love. May you aspire to be an elder, gentlemen, because of the qualities of being a model of what it looks like to follow Jesus, being an example to others that that's a man that I want to be like. Women that are currently married, may you encourage your husband, not nag him. I didn't say nag him. I didn't say harass him. I didn't say be a drippy faucet on him. I said encourage him. Pray for him that he would aspire to be an elder, that he could be an example of following Jesus, an example of a life given to the mission. Will you encourage your husbands? My wife is such an encouragement. I can't even tell you. I could not imagine doing what I do without my wife. Wives, may you be that for your husbands. Ladies in the room that are not yet married, don't even think about marrying a man unless he aspires to be this kind of man. Don't settle for a second. You wait for a godly man. You wait for a man that wants to lead you, who will cherish you, who will lead your future children. You wait for that man that's going to be an example of godliness. Don't marry him if he's spiritually lazy. Don't do it. Marry this kind of man, one that aspires to be an elder. May every man in this room be an elder in training. That's the goal. That we'd have a surplus of men to choose from. That God's provided so many godly examples of following Jesus. that They were like, whoa, we have too many elders. That would be a great problem to have. The church exists to display God's glory. And we do that by focusing on his gospel, by making and developing disciples. And we can only do it if we have healthy leadership. We'll talk next week about deacons and their role 
And then in two weeks, we'll talk about everyone's particular role in the faith family. Elders lead, teach, care, and model Christ-likeness. And as elders, I beg you for your prayers because we need it. We need your encouragement. We need your support. We also need more elders. We need more men that are shepherds. Will you commit to being that man that you know God wants you to be? Will you please pray with me? Father, you are so good to us. We are so undeserving and so unworthy, and you are so good. We thank you for saving us, for giving us the privilege of being part of your people, your gathered, your church. Pray you would bless the remainder of this worship gathering. May you work in the heart of anyone here who does not know you. May, may they repent and trust in you. And may you work in the hearts of those of us that know you. May we be conformed to your image, submit to your authority, and do it for your glory together. We praise you and pray in the name of our love, Jesus. Amen.